Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. Today is Thursday, June 2nd, 2016, so we're talking about energy, materials, and industrials. I'm joined today by Motley Fool analyst and Fool Canada head Taylor Muckman, who happens to be a Mongolian food connoisseur. Yes, uh, it's been a while, but it's one of my favorites. So, before we started here, you were telling me about your... <laughs> was it a recent trip, or no, just a regular I, thing with you? Well, we were talking about Mongolia, and I was like, have you ever had Mongolian food? And I got to thinking, it's been it's a really long good. time since I've had it, and yeah. it's delicious. What? So... There's a well, dude I don't with know. sticks and stuff. Like, what are they? You I don't know how traditional it is, but I've been to several Mongolian. This is all in quotes. DC, obviously. No, DC, North Carolina. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, Silver or Bethesda. There's a one in Bethesda, and basically, you just you get all your ingredients in a bowl. They have a. It's like a Chipotle line. You were saying. Well, in terms of the ingredients in laid the ingredients, out, but yeah. there's no one back there serving you. You just go up. You fill up a bowl with all these ingredients: raw meats, vegetables, sauces. And then they have a humongous hot stone, kind of like the table we're at right now. I don't know. What would you say this is? like? Three and a half feet across. Three and a half feet across. And it's- This is a three and a half foot circular It looks like the first at, wheel ever created. It's just this huge stone piping hot. And yeah, he's got like two glorified chopsticks that are like okay. three feet long. Are they- And they dump it all. They dump all your food onto the, the stone and he just- He's tossing it around with these sticks for like a minute, and then it's cooking, and and then he, with one with one f- swift movement, swipes all your food into a new bowl, and you sit down and you enjoy your meal. It's fantastic. All right, I guess I know what I'm doing this weekend. Um, all right, so moving on to more serious matters. Um, first up, before we right off the bat here, I guess we have to mention the OPEC meeting that just wrapped up. Yeah. Um, I, I, I wrote a note here. No production cap, mostly because of Iran, but Saudi's pinky swore that they wouldn't flood the market with more oil. Is that the bottom line? I mean, anything to add? Uh, yeah, pretty much. We've seen some meetings before um, that didn't really pan out. This might just be another one of those. Um, times what, have changed. Yeah. What was it? Uh, Qatar's oil had said that uh, $65 oil is desperately needed, like ASAP, though. For budgetary reasons, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. you talk. Saudi Arabia is talking about cutting a bunch of subsidies, um, possibly um, putting a portion of bond sale. Did you see that? I did not billion? see that. Yeah, see? like two days ago, they were like, "Yeah, we need another 15 billion." They have the reserves, but they're probably just trying to get it while money's still cheap. Right, which is definitely the case. Anyway, yeah. we would be we would have been remiss if we didn't mention OPEC. But there you have it. We're there not really macroy people, yeah. but yeah. Anyway, there's uh, Saudi Arabia has a new a new. Guy in charge, the new oil minister. Oh, that's right. They got so, rid of that. When was he in charge? Since like the eighties. Uh, what was his name? He's born or something. I don't. Know. I, I yeah, can't remember his that's name. That's really bad too. Um, but uh, here I'm going to Google this while we're yeah. Go for it. We'll have it before the end of the show. But yeah. So there's a new head. He's kind of got a different take on things. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. But as of this meeting, nothing really interesting. Um, a little bit closer to home. Uh, or a little bit more useful to oil investors. Um, recent piece on Bloomberg noted that oil fines are at a six, that's right, six decade low. How many years is that? It went, six, uh, 60. Yeah, it went back to 1952, the last time the world found this low amount of oil. Yep. Um, and it was actually, it's actually rather large. It was $12.1 billion of oil equivalent that did include gas. Barrels of oil. Uh, barrels of oil yeah, equivalent. Yeah, yeah. yeah sorry. Um, but, uh, that's, that's you said it did include gas, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's barrels equivalent of oil. And so the mix of that was predominantly natural gas. Yeah, Yeah. I'm sure. Um, and the, uh, the article also noted that, 
Um, it definitely lends credence to the idea that we could be uh, long-term and uh, undersupplied because it takes five to ten years to get all that stuff online. Yeah. I mean, this is, this, is, this is not ideal right now. No, we um, talk about the quickness that you can bring a shale well to, to market, and right. that's just not the case with the majority of wells in the world. And predominantly with the oil that they found last year, um, leaning more heavily towards offshore, which you're looking at at least seven years to right. develop and a much higher cost per barrel that is needed as a hurdle rate to even justify well, and getting those products. That's just it. So, with all these reserves, but especially for the uh, the offshore stuff, yep. you know, once you find it, all your work is still ahead of you. Absolutely. I mean, it's just like that. You got to contract the rig. You got to drill, test wells, uh, development wells. Then you have to produce it. You have to coordinate the tankers to distribute it. Get the pipelines going. It's it's a process, which is why seven years is the average. So on last week's show, um, yeah, five to ten. Seven, yeah. Um, last week's show, you you mentioned how you thought that offshore was just gonna is going to be increasingly important important in the decades ahead. Um, does this you know the fact that we're finding less oil than we have in six decades? I mean, God, what was going on in nineteen fifty two? I I wasn't here. J- JFK, I don't even think was a freshman congressman. Like, geez. Anyway, um, does is this add to the bull case for oil? Yeah, not going to try and predict prices, but right. supply less than demand. You'd imagine prices go up. Um, definitely a longer term play than than what people are talking the about investing years, in yeah. oil right now, because yeah. everyone's so excited about the the prospects of rising prices now. But um, we could we could see prices fall again in the near term. But long term, if you don't have the product, then it could be a five year chart that looks really great for long term investors rather than a one year chart. Right. Um, Final thing in that article that jumped out at me, it noted that exploration spending in 2015 was down 45% from 2013. Um, My reaction was actually, that's it. Well, especially this year, too. So if you see the stats this year compared to 2013, it's going to be even more down more than that. So um, the crisis hasn't abated in terms of company upstream spending. And that's not just for oil. You see um, projects with coal export terminals being shelved. You see natural gas pipelines being shelved. Two in particular in the Northeast. What was it? Uh, Kinder Morgan actually shelved a couple of months ago, like two pipelines or something? One of them in the Northeast, uh, I believe, was a several billion dollar project. Um, And that area is really struggling when it comes to prices for natural gas. We're talking about New York and New England. Um, They're paying... Sometimes close to fifty percent more than the, the national average, just because the distribution networks aren't there, and that's a little bit to do with um, government and environmental activists coming in and kind of stopping that. Companies want to invest there; um, they're just finding it difficult, and so they're abandoning or or postponing a lot of these projects. Got it. Okay. So moving on, um, we don't talk enough about um, overseas oil companies. Um, you know, Tyler Crow used to always talk about. Um, uh, Total. Total, yeah, he's a big Why fan. Why does he like them so much? Uh, they're I guess he diversified upstream, downstream, and yeah. they're they're uh, pretty big into renewables. So, um, one of the more forward thinking energy Oil companies, company, I think. Yeah. yeah. Got it. Um, but uh, we wanted to chat today about uh, Brazilian yeah. commodity producers, particularly Petrobras and Vale. Mm-hmm. Um, the chart on Petrobras alone is brutal. Woof. High of seventy six point six in two thousand eight, just a nice downhill. It was slide a darling. It was a darling back then. Everyone was clamoring to get leading off- up to the financial crisis. Yeah, everyone right? was a, clamoring to to access offshore Brazilian oil. 
They have, um, they actually have a lot of oil. Uh, 8.7 billion barrels of crude, 10.4 yep. trillion cubic feet of natural gas. Mm-hmm. Um, but sounds like big numbers, and it actually is compared right. comparatively around the world. It's not, it's not a number one or number two reserve holder, but. It's an important factor. It's sizable, and yeah, we need it. Yeah. And yeah. Without it, we would be in, in dire straits. Um, in 60 seconds, can you give our listeners a rundown of the plethora of corruption problems at Petrobras? Yeah, so the, <laughs> Feel free to take a minute and a half if you want. <laughs> they basically, it's been going on, or the one in particular that we're going you know, to discuss today has been really going on since 2014 in terms of at least the investigation, um, dubbed the car wash scandal. Why did it have that name? Yeah. They're trying to scrub the the government. I don't know. Anyways, you're talking about vendors overcharging Petrobras for um, some of the supplies and the equipment. And these are vendors that the government requires Petrobras to work with. Yeah. So because they're state owned, -owned. not partially majority state owned. Okay. Um, Even better. And so there's a mandate in there where they have to use a certain amount of local vendors. Um, and then on top of that, they have to sell oil at a subsidized price. They have to buy it internationally, sell it domestically. So they're they're really getting screwed over on the margin side. And all of this was okay pre financial crisis because oil was. I mean, it got up. It gave up. It went up there and gave 140 bucks a high five. Yes, it did. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, all that was okay back then. Well, oil it was. Forty. It was on the development side, but then. It, when you have oil prices that high and it's producing its own oil, it couldn't sell its oil to the refineries in Brazil. It had to go out and buy oil on the open market oh, and sell gosh. it at a subsidized price to, oh. the, to the domestic market. So, How is this a good idea? Well, for the government, it seemed like it. Uh, for the company and investors, obviously not. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm at risk of being a stereotypical American here or something, but why not just... Let it do its thing, make money, and tax it heavily, or something. Oh, capitalism. Okay. Let it do its thing. I don't know why. The same thing with Vale. It's a partially government owned. Are they nearly uh, as corrupt? Like what happened there? I don't believe there's as much corruption, at least that's been announced. Um, but you Iron see, you, you see the, yeah, you the see the, the troubles of an entire country, especially the size of Brazil, being so heavily reliant. They were on doing well in the two. Materials like, do you remember? Warren Buffett actually made a currency trade, which he never does, and he bought the Brazilian real. Yeah, it, that was like I'm trying to remember. I think it was like 2007 or something. That's when they were. Anyway, times change. Yeah, um, I read something earlier, and it was like Petrobras's corruption scandals are probably in the past. You don't necessarily agree with that, though. Well, no, maybe with maybe within the company, but you're already seeing. New discoveries or or new rumors that new officials in the government are trying to undermine the probe because you've seen um, you've seen the government change hands in just the last month after the ouster of their their former leader and uh, and now his newly appointed cabinet members are already suspected of trying to undermine this probe and so. I think we're still a couple Do they of years. Own car washes? Uh, I have no idea. I don't think there's enough water right now in Brazil to. Oh, <laughs> with all the hydropower they need, especially with the Olympics coming up, there's probably water restrictions oh, on that's car washes. Right, the Olympics are there. Yeah. Oh boy. Thankfully, it's only in one city, so it, it might not be as disjointed as the World Cup was. Um, even though that seemed to have gone off without a hitch, but yeah, at least they can only concentrate on one area rather than sending Americans on the longest route possible to win to, to try and win the world cup right um 
Okay, so bottom line for foolish investors, I, I hear all this stuff and I'm yeah. like, this sounds stressful. I don't need this. <laughs> you don't need it. If you're a long-term investor, you don't need it. You don't want it. Um, therefore, I wouldn't recommend investing you, in it. Would you take either of these names if we gave you shares? Like, oh yeah, yeah, I would take them because they've then you'd sell they've them. been beaten up so badly that, um, and if they were given to me, whatever, right? Uh, I would I wouldn't sell them right away. I would probably give them a chance, but I wouldn't put any more money. But even at, at what risk. might be a bottom for iron ore and valet and that's oil the thing. You're Petrobras. still trying to call a bottom and um, Petrobras. Oil was above a hundred dollars for most of this time since two thousand. You know, you're absolutely and we've right. seen the share price. The, yeah, when, okay. with all the government mingling, um, not only in possible corruption but also in the financials and and their operations, um, I just don't see the benefit. Just or, don't. Yeah, the risk far out. The reward could be great, but it's going to be a stressful ride. Right. Okay. All right. So uh, last. Uh, Last topic of the day. Um, Donald Trump going to make oil great again? That's what he says. Um, I don't know if he used that exact phrase, but it wouldn't surprise me. Um, Use just very simple terms. Basically, going to deregulate oil and and other fossil fuels. What did you think about what he said about OPEC? Did you hear that? Um, exactly. No. He said he was just like, oh, if OPEC did what they do in the world in this country, they'd be in jail. And oh, they set the price of oil, which I actually don't necessarily agree with, especially in the market today. Yeah. So again, he's leaning on old truths right. that people that was true in the seventies and the eighties. It was not today. even true, like in ten years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, maybe even as far back as just a few years ago, because you saw what happened in two thousand fourteen. But then. Or they tried, right? They tried to use their old mechanisms and oil producers in the U.S. Right. Some of them are going bankrupt, but those probably shouldn't have been in business anyways. Right. Um, and so I think he's just leaning on those those old truths to where OPEC doesn't have nearly the power that it used to. Um, as you've seen with the meetings over the past year or so that have resulted in nothing, next to nothing in terms of market movements. Um, and they, they can't get on the same page right now. So there's some... There's some disagreement, and rightfully so, within those ranks. Um, Trump's obviously pro fracking. Pro fracking, pro coal. Um, not everyone, um, but you know, there's there's more pro frackers than there are pro coal miners. I actually that was the point that I found most interesting. What is what is the pro coal? Yeah. Um, is that even a good idea? Given that there's so much natural gas in this country, I don't think it's a good idea because. Other countries are shunning coal, um, right? And well, yeah. And he's like, "Oh, we're still sending coal to China." And I'm like, well, "That's not quite true." Still, there are they're experts. Down there. Some experts have suggested that China's carbon emissions peaked last year. They're they're two years ahead of their carbon emissions reduction goals. Who would have bet on that? Uh, right? Not me. Um, <laughs> and so, and they're also scheduled to build out um, the biggest array of solar power this year in the world. Um, so, the biggest purchaser of coal is turning a cold shoulder to it. Um, our coal users in the United States are turning a cold shoulder to it. Um, I think that that's a talking point, and I wouldn't recommend investing based on that, Got it. Um, at least in terms of coal. And at the full in general, we don't recommend investing based on elections because these things take time to play out. Um, and then it's a coin flip. And then it's a coin flip. I mean, if you invested in health care trying to play Obama the Affordable Care, care Act, that yeah. took seven years to get through, and it, we're still years away from finding out exactly how it's going to impact various sectors right. within the healthcare industry. So, um, we don't necessarily agree with 
investing based on election cycles. Um, that being said, you know, oil probably wouldn't do terribly if Trump was the president. Um, but he keeps talking about reducing our impact, our our reliance on international oil. But that's we he still, kept hitting the the oil and or energy independence. Yeah, talk but we point. still only produce fifty percent of the oil we need. I doubt we'll ever produce all the oil we need until demand comes down. Right. So, so you don't think because he basically intimated that we could produce fifteen, sixteen million barrels a day in this country, and I was yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> To our listeners that aren't watching the video, He's, he oversimplifies things that, that the look on Taylor's good. face is pretty. Yeah, yeah. Uh, considering we were producing around nine and a half, now we're below nine, and uh, and falling and falling, and clearly we're not rediscovering enough to produce fifteen to sixteen million barrels, unless unless some countries just completely dry up and we have to. I doubt that'll ever happen. Got it. All right. So before we head out, any. Uh Interesting oil stock or material stock uh, stories you're um, reading this week? I don't know. I'm trying to really grasp the impact of the the wildfires in Canada. Companies are starting to bring production back online, but um, we're talking about billions of dollars of lost revenue um, as the results of the shut the shutdowns that they had to put in place. So um, it's just another one of those things that makes the energy markets entirely impossible to, to predict. predict. Yeah. Um, uh, I was listening to um, a Motley Fool asset management pod, or not podcast, but one of their monthly reports. And and Bill Mann, our portfolio advisor down there, our portfolio manager down there, was basically saying oil is one of the more hotly like analyzed commodities in the world, right up there next to gold. And no one saw this coming. So right. how is an individual investor supposed to see this coming? So if you're a trader, maybe you can make some money off of it. But if you're if you're an investor, Find great companies. And Bottom line, yeah. yeah. Find Look great for companies, companies that thrive, generate cash, yeah. Cool. Yep. All right. Well, thanks for your uh, thoughts, Taylor. Absolutely. Catch you later. I'm going to go get some Mongolian barbecue later. That's absolutely. I might have to join you now that I remembered it. And that is it for us, folks. If you're a loyal listener and have questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Just email us at industryfocus at fool.com. Once again, that's industryfocus at fool.com. And as always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against those stocks. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear in this program. For Taylor Muckerman, I am Sean O'Reilly. Thanks for listening, and Fool on.